All right, we are back with another episode of Coffee with Craner. This is actually episode 85, so I mean, we're we're itching on the 100th episode, and I'm so excited for that. But today we have a fantastic guest, somebody I know very well, Fiona Coughlin. She's the executive director and CEO of Habitat for Humanity Windsor-Essex. And for those watching who attended perhaps the Windsor-Essex Chamber Business Excellence Awards, Fiona actually won the Professional of the Year Award for 2022. Um, I mean, it's fantastic. It's celebrating her excellency and as a professional in, in affordable housing initiatives, social services, different things like that. So uh, today's going to be a fantastic conversation all about Habitat for Humanity and Fiona's role. Fiona, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. I'm so excited. When I heard coffee was involved, I'm like, I'm in for sure. Let's do it. <laughs> and, uh, speaking of coffee, is there a favorite place you go to around where you work? Around where I work, we just we just head down to Timmy's. It's right around the corner. We have a coffee pot in the lunchroom as well. Francis, who's uh, been at Habitat forever, started as a volunteer and then staff. He is the chief coffee maker in the office. So we have some fantastic coffee in the office. But then we if sometimes we go for our mental health walk down to Tim Hortons. Um, when I'm uh, it, it, my favorite coffee place, um, I was just saying I'm at my mom's right now. So that's my favorite coffee place. Um, so I visit my mom in Amherstburg and uh, that's my favorite place to have coffee, honestly. <laughs> yeah, fr fresh home brewed coffee sounds, uh, sounds like a win to me. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, know that's, that's very cool. Especially you have, it's cool that your organization has a, a CCO, a chief coffee officer. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does a lot more than that. But Francis is the coffee man at the, the, the warm coffee in the morning. That's on Francis for sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, uh, I just want to talk about kind of your, your career and how, what really led you to uh, this fantastic organization that I really enjoy uh, volunteer volunteering for throughout the summer and and sometimes in the winter when you're building how did you start with habitat for humanity um well my career has been in nonprofit for my entire career actually what happened um i had a child when i was quite young and a lot of people helped me uh, through a number of different social services and organizations um including um, I was in rent geared to income housing and I was able to finish my education. And as soon as I finished, what I decided is I want to give back. I want to do something that can change lives for people like me who without all of those supports that I received, I would not have finished my education. So from day one, I chose nonprofit and chose to try and help um, families um, in need of housing. And so I've uh, journeyed through, um, you know, about 20 years of, of housing. And uh, I was at the downtown mission, working at the downtown mission for a while. And we had been at the table discussing housing and noticed that there was a vacancy at Habitat for Humanity. And I was like, well, they need to be at the table. So, <laughs> so sign me up. And I, and I went out to, uh, uh, I basically fought for the position and said, I'm, I'm the person that's, uh, that you're looking for. And, uh, and we've had a great journey over the past five years, really expanding what Habitat in Windsor Essex has been done, doing. So that's been fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's an inspiring story. And, you know, it, it probably makes the job, you know, I guess more, more relatable and you're able to use those experiences that you had earlier on to like you, you, I guess you, to say you understand, um, the process and then also, 
uh, you know, what those families, I guess, are, are really looking for when, when seeking habitat services? Yeah, I, I think that I, it gives me a unique perspective on the potential of the families that are just trying to get that little hand up, not looking for a handout, but a hand up to um, just get on their feet and get going because there's so much potential for what they could deliver in the future. And uh, so like, you know, I, I know you've been on builds with us and when, when those you know, single moms and young families get keys to their house, which they helped build side by side with uh, community members like you, Lyndon, and your family. Um, you know, it just gives me goosebumps because I see them not only succeed for themselves and really have a hand in their own success, but also build those really great relationships with community partners that care about their success. And they know that they see they see your family there and they see you there at the dedications and they go you know, people care about me. And so that that whole model really means a lot to me. And I, and I think, uh, um, you know, just every time, every dedication gives me goosebumps. I'm just like, I'm, I, this is what I dreamed of doing. And I'm so happy that uh, we can help one family at a time uh, succeed. Yes, no, it's, uh, it is really a good feeling, uh, especially being on the build site and, and as a volunteer and and you know prep you know even meeting the family and things like that as they're helping out alongside you it's it's a great feeling um and and you know one house at a time what can you say i guess for habitat windsor essex how many homes have you built you know um in the last few years so um since we opened we've built 76 homes and so for each of the yeah there's there's uh, over 300 individuals that we would otherwise be um, housing insecure are now permanently housed in a habitat home, which one of the things I really love about the habitat model is that they're permanently um, housed through our model. Um, they own that house once they've paid off the mortgage. And a lot of people don't realize that, but they actually do pay a geared to income mortgage for the house. Um, mm. And that money is then restricted for future families. So 76 families so far, over 300 individuals um, have found success through this. But in addition, in Windsor, Essex, and what people may not be aware of is each habitat's a little bit unique. It's not like McDonald's where you go to McDonald's on the West Coast and your Big Mac is going to taste exactly the same as a as a Big Mac on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. uh, habitats, we have standards of excellence. We have certain benchmarks we have to achieve. But other than that, they are led and run by the local community to meet the needs of the local community. So in Windsor, Essex, we've really done some great work on partnership. We've partnered with Matthew House to uh, help them restore an 11 unit building uh, for newcomers to Canada. And now we're partnering with the Bridge Youth Resource Center to help them with their uh, their next project. And we're going to be responsible for four of the units that they're they're bringing in. So that's in addition to the 76 houses we've done so far. And we have three more in the works on Henry Ford Center Drive for this year and five more for next year in the West End. So we just keep going. <laughs> yeah, you must have your, your hands full. It's busy. But it's, it's exciting and it's growing and that's what we want to see. I think it's that momentum. So, you know, we started when I came in, we were building one or two a year. And now we're really at that place where we're building that snowball. And we've done that by um, part, a lot of it's through partnering with other organizations and really looking creatively at how we can address the housing crisis. And with, with partnerships, I understand that there's a very, very cool project, the first in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, with um, printing 
uh, 3D printing homes with the University of Windsor. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, and I have to say that without the University of Windsor, this project would not have happened. It wouldn't have come to Windsor. Um, the University of Windsor has the largest structural testing lab in uh, in all of Canada. And so that is why this project really fit this community. Um, uh, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation was seeking a, um, a way to test the 3D printing and to look to do the research and there's really this belief that if you don't do the research, it, it just will never grow. It's not that, like a lot of people like, that's never going to be uh, cheaper. It's not cheaper yet, but it will be. Um, it will be faster. There's, And that's what it, we have to do the work. But that's not really Habitat for Humanity's main mission. Our mission is safety and affordable housing um, for people that need affordable housing. So the universities really, their mandate is to do this research. So it's a, just a brilliant partnership. Uh, Canadian Morgan and Housing Corporation wanted to ensure that the houses were in an affordable housing model. So that's why Habitat was brought in as the partner. So it was really a partnership between the university and us. And what an amazing partnership for us. We've had the opportunity to work with some brilliant minds in the engineering department and uh, young people that... Um, have also had a chance. It's funny. We were, I was out on the build site and uh, he hearing that what they would have been doing for their last year of their doctorate would have been like teacher assistant type work. And instead they get to 3D print a house. And I'm just, that's exciting for them. Not that there's anything wrong with being a teacher assistant, but you know, this is fun and we get our hands dirty. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. And I imagine some other Habitat organizations are looking at Windsor Essex habitat for, uh, I don't know, one in awe, but also to, you know, gain insight on this entire project. You must have the, the spotlight on you throughout all of Habitat Canada. Yeah, I, it's, it's not just habitat, but uh, de definitely there's a, there's a world of this 3D printing that people are really like trying to find out what's going on. So I have, uh, um, I have daily emails from people from all over the world just going, what are you doing? And how how are you doing? <laughs> and so it's, it's really fun. Um, what I will say is the most important part of this project, um, besides the houses, of course, my priority is to get some houses built. Um, but this the next thing is the research. So there's going to be a published um, uh it, like in scientific journals, published research papers on the concrete integrity and all of that and the process and a cost benefit analysis will be published by the University of Windsor. And that's going to be made available for housing providers um, across, the, across the country, across the world, really. And so that research ideally will be a, be a blueprint for the next organization to do it faster, uh, better, um, less expensive, and uh, and that's what's most important. What I will say is the houses that we're building through the 3D printer, um, because the current building code is not written for concrete in Canada, it's not written for these kind of structures, they're being engineered to the hilt. So these are going to be the most structurally sound houses you've ever seen. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking for a, a place to go in an earthquake, these are the houses to go to They're they're not going anywhere. Um, but it, it's real, it, it, they're going to be pretty incredible. And, and it's just cool to be part of something uh, as cutting edge as that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's such a, a cool project. And the fact that 
there's a spinoff effect where other organizations can, you know, access this information. And, and really it's, it's helping on a global scale from my understanding is it's, you know, providing the ability to make housing more affordable, not just for Habitat, but for, you know, developers across, you know, across the globe. So it's, it's fantastic. And uh, I guess something that I'm interested in hearing more about is how, how does this built like i mean like when you think of a printer a 3d printer when i was in high school there's there are little tiny things and it makes like a i don't know a lego figure or something yeah well when i was in high school we didn't have 3d printers at all so it's completely different yeah um okay so it's very similar in that concept so the concept is that um so our brilliant uh, doctors of engineering have taken habitat plans that were done by Jen Bro, who does all our plans for all our houses uh, as a volunteer, but they've taken that plan and converted it to a digital file that is fed to a computer system. And then there's like a, a, a almost like a printer head, but it's pouring concrete. And yeah. so it will follow the pattern that has been programmed into it. So the idea is if you have a number of houses to be built, it can just replicate the same pattern over and over again. And it sounds really simple, but it's not because um, there's a number of different things and it's really covering what would be the framing and the drywall and a, maybe the insulation, depending on your climate. Um, so it's not gonna be doing your kitchen cupboards. It's not gonna be doing your roof at this point. There are some countries that are experimenting with having it do the roof kind of in a unique shape. Uh, but for right now, you're printing the walls. And um, uh, so it's programmed in. And the, I think the most challenging part of it, they've really perfected the computer programming and they have some really uh, wonderful printers. Uh, even from the time we started this project to the time we ended it, we ended up with a much more powerful printer at the end. So uh, great advancements in that. But the challenge is the concrete. And that's where, again, the University of Windsor really comes in is because they have materials experts uh, that are doing their theses on these, um, on, on concrete. They're, they're writing about concrete all day long. And so one of the things that was the most challenging is you have to get a concrete mix that pours at exactly the right consistency and hardens at the right speed so that when the printer comes around for the second pa pass, it doesn't just smoosh. So then I could get really into it. There's 1K materials, 2K materials, when you add the hardener and all this kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really neat thing. And I, I want to get my honorary engineering degree just from doing this project. Yeah, that's probably the coolest thing about your job is that you can, you know, after this, if you want to be a developer or build your own house, like you have it in the bag. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got a few things that, I, that I've learned that have very unique application for future yeah i mean that's when i was volunteering one of the coolest things that uh, my girlfriend and i found was being able to learn these these hands-on um, around the house skills uh like painting like a, learning how to put siding on the side of a house so it's like it, it benefits both ways one you're helping families you know with a, an affordable home but you're also gaining these really cool skills that perhaps you know if if you're not hiring a contractor, you wouldn't have gained. Yeah. And I'm, I have to admit, I'm not the most skilled on the build site. So even when I go out to the build site, I get to learn a few things. I've now used a, a nail gun, but I should like, 
I shared earlier, I lived in rent geared to income supportive housing um, in my younger days, and it happened to be a, a cooperative rent geared to income. And that's where I learned how to shingle a roof was because I was in a housing co-op and part of part of being in that housing co-op was you helped to maintain the buildings. And I also learned to sit on committees and I was on the youth committee at the time and we we sold popsicles to raise money for a basketball debt. So there's a I think getting involved in the community just in general is something that uh, can really uh, snowball into great things. So it's kudos to you and your family and your girlfriend for getting involved, because I'm sure you're going to take those uh, those skills with you into your future. Oh, yeah. The, the family's probably going to be bugging me soon to put siding on their house after they watch this. But uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it comes with a price. It comes with a yeah. price. Um, no, very cool. And, and to jump into my next question and, and what I, I'm most interested in is just on the topic of, of affordable housing. Uh, you know, Habitat's providing this great work to the community. What else, you know, as as a leader in this in this area, what else do you think can really be done to make life more affordable and, and to, you know, ensure everyone has an affordable place to call home? Um, so there's a lot of organizations that are working together on this. And I think partnership, um, partnership is key. Um, so partnering with the university and the bridge to develop these houses is, is wonderful. We're also, um, we've started a repair program and we're just starting a partnership with the community housing, Windsor Essex community housing corporation, um, where we hope to be able to, uh, repair and restore our units that, so that they can continue to provide housing in those units. But then also the wonderful thing is the funding that they would have for those repairs will be paid to our build fund. So we can actually build future houses. So there's lots of neat strategies that we have to kind of um, bring the assets that each organization has together to address the housing crisis. Um, I think personally, I have a, a strong value for maintaining a space for home ownership. I think mm -hmm. rental is very important and there's a whole spectrum of need. Different people need different things at different times in their lives, but ownership is transformational for families and it's a it's a chance to build that generational wealth which i think is really important and um there's just some some groups that have never had access to that generational equity where things can get passed down in that way so i think we need to maintain a space for that but i don't think habitat is the only solution to the housing crisis it's part of a spectrum and we have to work together collaboratively to address this to make sure that people who need housing with supports have access to housing with supports um which is why we would uh, like if you're if you're thinking beyond just your organization and just your front door it's what is the need in my community so the partnership with matthew house is really key for me because people who are newcomers to canada really need a place that's also going to guide them through the system and how to get set up and make sure that they've got uh you know an ability to get employed and things like that there's a lot more support that's needed for people who are newcomers to canada uh, you can't just say, here's keys to a house, pay your mortgage, see you later. Um, it's a bit more. So that's why we really partnered with Matthew House and, and said, listen, you're the experts at that. We know how to fix houses. Why don't we help you? And we work together. And Mike Morancy is a contractor himself. So it was a very collaborative. Um, we we helped to, uh, to restore his units. And we've also partnered with a number of community groups on a furniture bank 
there had been a furniture bank at the downtown Windsor Community Collaborative, but unfortunately they lost their space. So when I came in at Habitat, I'm like, well, the ReStore picks up furniture every day, all day. Um, why don't we figure out a way to partner on this? So it's very simple collaborative group. We just, uh, they refer all their furniture donations to Habitat. We make sure it's picked up, cleaned on the floor and available, and we give them uh, access to that furniture for their clients. So why duplicate? Why have a furniture bank over here and the restore over here competing for furniture? Or we could have one building with all the furniture and people who need it can have it and people who are willing to pay a little bit and help fund the build can pay. And so that's how we've kind of worked that out. I think every organization, there's probably people with creative ideas of ways that they could partner to address this. And I think that's really the key. So it has to be this, this collaborative approach to really address this big, massive, all levels of government issue. Yeah, I would say so. I think that's, that's key. Um, there's definitely levers that government can pull and our city is working hard on that. It's, it's all done through funding and legislation. So there's only so much you can do at a political level and then there has mm -hmm. to be a community behind it. And, and, um, you know, it, it, government can do a certain amount and then the community has to come in and join it. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, it's, uh, honest feedback that you gave me. And I think it's, it's a huge issue that I'm facing the next generation is going to face. And yep. yeah, we got like, you know, like what Habitat is doing is, is being creative and finding, finding ways to, you know, to make it work. Yeah. And I think if, as I know you're uh, in the political realm right now, so, you know, there's ways that the, you know, you can look at inclusionary zoning or when you're have, when you have land available, making sure that that land is made available to nonprofits through um, your RFP process. Sometimes you can prioritize proposals mm -hmm. for land use based on whether or not they're using a nonprofit. I definitely think um, mixed mixed level of income in the community is is really good um, rather than having pockets of poverty and pockets of affluence what you want to have is a mixed use community with mixed density and mixed um, income levels so that people can support each other and be part of a whole group these yep. are things that if you're evaluating proposals in the future for land use that you sh i would recommend that you look at um yeah. i know that that uh, did you get a chance to um the center for cities has some really great workshops on as well that um that i've been attending and there's always something more you can learn but infill development is really important to build that density in communities so um there's a lot of ways we can we can tackle this yes no i mean it's, 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 it's an optimistic thing there's like yeah. there's opportunity we have to there, there's a problem, but there's opportunity to solve it. And, and there's an appetite right now in the community to really address it. So let's, let's get going. Let's not Absolutely. let it pass us by. I, I love the optimism and, and speaking of optimism, you know, my, my last question, where do you see Habitat Windsor Essex in the next five, five, 10 years? Where do you want to take it? So we want to, so our strategic plan, we want to build uh, 25 houses um, in the next five years and that will have us hit our hundredth house. So we've already hit, finished one of them already. I think we can do more than that personally. I think I would shoot for 50, but um, but the strategic plan says 25. So I'm gonna try to blow it out of the water. Um, 
we're uh, we definitely have our eye on any kind of infill. Um, we never want to gentrify neighborhoods, so we work with the neighborhoods that are already the community groups are trying to uh, work together. We would never buy a property that's already tenanted, but we are looking at those boarded up houses throughout the city of Windsor and in other areas. We've done boarded up houses in Leamington as well. So anything that's causing a negative in a neighborhood, if we can get our hands on it, that's what we want to replace. Um, and that really elevates the whole street and helps everybody in the neighborhood. But those are very expensive and challenging to build because infill is, is harder. And that's often why we can get that land cheap or free. Um, but we have got an, another goal, which is to look at uh, multi-unit development. So whether that's a partnership with um, with another organization or with a, another builder, we would like to do a, a larger, more um, uh, mixed income multi-unit development that um, you know can meet the needs. And we would really focus on the accessibility focus in those units, but mm -hmm. I could see I could see um, a, a either a townhouse development or a apartment building where some of the units are habitat units and you wouldn't even know which ones, um, and others and it are just everybody just lives there, and so you could work with a uh, a developer that um, is looking to build a, a high end building and kind of partner up on that and and really meet a need so they'll be proposed i can't i can't say too much cuz i don't want i don't want to put all my cards on the table but i have irons in the fire that's uh that's amazing and you know i think just from this conversation i i just understand how passionate you are about the field that you're in it sounds like you just absolutely love what you're doing um, and I, I think you have such a unique and inspiring story because you've, you've, you've been, you know, a part of this, this, uh, system or, you know, you've experienced what it's, you know, what it's like to, to live on that type of housing and you know, what's, what's best for the community. So, um, I think, you know, you should be speaking at, uh, at council and at different types of. Uh, levels of government to really show people, uh, you know, the great things about about affordable housing and what more can be done to to solve this intense intense issue. So, um, Fiona, I want to really thank you for for coming on and and I think it's a good educational moment for those watching to learn more about the great things Habitat's doing and really what more can be done to to help with this affordable housing crisis. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed the evening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And those watching, uh, if you want to catch the episode after, just visit coffeewithcrainer.com. And uh, the last thing, make sure you volunteer for Habitat for Humanity Windsor-Essex. It's uh, an experience you don't want to miss. So Fiona, thanks for being here. Thank you.